Hello and welcome to the School of Attraction podcast. I'm Damien Deeker and I'll be talking with you about a range of topics from dating, attraction, masculinity, sexuality, life philosophy, and much, much more. So without any further ado, let's get started. I hope you enjoy listening to today's podcast just as much as I've enjoyed creating it. So the truth is out there. Women are hypergamous creatures. So if you don't make the cut as a man, then you're doomed to be single for the rest of your life, right? Well, I've made a few videos about hypergamy in the past, and I'm not making this one because I just love beating a topic to death. And I'm not making it because I just love being abused by MGTOW followers in my comments. I'm making it because I honestly believe that hypergamy is one of the more damaging concepts that are being taught to men on a day-to-day basis right now. So, cue up your insults and let's get started with the video. So before I get into the meat of things, for the uninitiated, what is hypergamy exactly? Well, a quick Google search gives this definition. Hypergamy, colloquially referred to as marrying up, occasionally referred to as hierogamy, is a term used in social science for the act or practice of a person marrying a spouse of higher caste or social status than themselves. Now, it used to be that the data clearly showed a hypergamous trend amongst women. Uh, almost every culture you looked at around the world, there were, hyper- there were women who were seeking, who had a, a definite preference for men of higher earning capability, more important family, more power. Um, older men, it wasn't about age, but it was just about men who were older tended to have these things going for them. So we could always see that kind of a trend. And sure enough, we created a story around this uh, at the time. And we, this story kind of evolved in the 60s, where we said, look, back in the days of yore, when humans were evolving, it was really important for a woman's survival, because when a woman's pregnant, um, she wants the best possible provider, the man with the most resources and power to provide for and protect her child, um, and to protect her while she's pregnant with that child to give her offspring the best chances of survival. Unfortunately, as our understanding of humans grew, this this explanation started to fall apart. It started to fall apart because we realized humans grew up in tribes. Tribes were very large, often extended families. And it turns out it wasn't really that important who the father was, because if you had a child of any father in that tribe, most of the tribe was related to you. So you were going to be looked after by the tribe. Your child was going to be looked after. Now, because of mortality rates amongst children back in the days of yore, right, while we were evolving, lots of children died. Children were a super um, super valuable resource. So it's believed that, that the whole tribe would look after the kids, right? Kids were under the protection of your community that was about 80 to 100 people large. And sure enough, what we've begun to see now is that hypergamous trends, that is women marrying up, has begun to decrease. Now, I've done videos on this. If you want to learn more about it, go ahead and click on the link up here somewhere. I'll throw a link up for you, but I've gone into the details, but basically it's this. As women have started to earn more, so the the, the, the pay wage gap has now shrunk. I know some people believe it's still there, but it's mostly gone. As women's earning potential has gone up, uh, hypergamy, hypergamous marrying trends have gone down. And, and countries with the most gender equality have the least hypergamous marrying trends. So it appears now Uh, The general consensus is that the the concept of hypergamy is way smaller than we ever thought. Um, Maybe it exists to some small degree, but far less than we thought, because once women have their own empowerment and their own earning potential, they they don't seek that in men so much anymore at all. But even though the concept of genetic hypergamy has now all but evaporated from scientific circles, 
The term has been purloined to mean something a little bit different. So nowadays, when I see the concept of hypergamy bandied about, now it's talking about something that's totally unrelated to social caste or power. It's it's related to looks. So nowadays, men say women are hypergamous because they only want men who are attractive. Why is this a really, really, really poor idea? And why is this just bad science? Well, I'll tell you why. You can't just say whenever a, a, a specific gender has a mating preference, that's called hypergamy, right? So it's like saying if if women happen to prefer men with large feet, that's hypergamy. If women prefer men who have uh, brown eyes, that's hypergamy. If women women prefer white men, oh, that's hypergamy. If men prefer women who, right, you can't do that, right? Because then everyone, everyone in the whole world, man and woman, is hypergamous. Uh, every animal is hypergamous because they have sexual preferences too. Uh, maybe you could say that water molecules are hypergamous because they prefer to bond with other water molecules rather than to get close to glass molecules. Eh, hydrophobia versus hydrophilia, maybe. Okay, I'm being a little facetious, but the, the point remains. Every body has sexual preferences, right? There was a term for the sexual preference for more money and power and caste. That was hypergamy. But then when it becomes something different, it's not hypergamy anymore. And what's more, unfortunately, when the term hypergamy is used, it's often used resentfully by men who are believing falsely that women are only interested in men who are attractive. There's a large number of men, and this may include you guys watching too, that that believe that if I'm not good looking enough, I'm doomed to be single for the rest of my life because women only want attractive men. So let me dive into this. Let me not call it hypergamy anymore, but let me address this concern. Let's think about human behavior because women are humans, men are humans. It is very natural human behavior to seek the best that you can have. So if you were eating from a berry bush and you were perfectly happy with those berries, but then you looked over there 10 meters away, it was a berry bush with riper berries who were likely to be sweeter, you'd get up and walk over to that berry bush and start eating those berries instead. Uh, you know, in more current times, you're always thinking, well, I have a Honda now, but I'd love to have a Mercedes. If you go shopping for a house, you think, and you've got two choices of houses. One house has a lovely view over the ocean. Another house has a view at another building's wall. Which house are you going to prefer? So we are, all, we are wired to seek the best that we can have. Now, some people are, are victims of the society that we live in, a very consumerist society. And what we try to, those people try to do is they're constantly trying to get better than what they have. They're constantly not happy with what they have. They're constantly trying to get a better car, more income, constantly trying to find a more attractive partner. They're constantly trying to, um, you know, be more attractive, fitter. You know, they're just never happy with where they're at. Right, and these people are very lead very unhappy unhappy lives. Fortunately, that's the, not the majority of human beings. That's a small percentage of human beings. Both men and women fall into this trap, and it's something that hope that fortunately many of them escape as they learn about themselves and grow up. So instead, what most humans do is they learn to settle with where they're at. They they say to themselves, "Ah, uh, this is the best that I can have, and I really do enjoy it, and I like it, and I'm content with what I have right now." If your life radically changes and you can suddenly have more, better things, you go and get them. But you feel a sense of contentment with what you've got right now. Women are the same. If you give a woman two, like, like two, I did two, two different men and their lives are completely identical, except for two things. One of them is below average looking and one of them is really tall, dark and handsome. She'll go for Mr. Tall, Dark and Handsome because why not? We're wired for those things. So attractive men have an advantage. 
attractiveness is something that women look for in a man, right? It's one of the one of the factors, right? You you've got attraction and humor and intelligence and the stability and emotional stability. You've got all these things. I've talked about that in other videos, which I'll point to here as well as some of the factors that women look for in men. But the truth of the matter is that, is that looks is one of those. And to suggest that women only value looks over anything else, it's whack. And I'll tell you why it's whack. And I'll tell you why it's super easy for you to disprove. Go outside and go into a shopping mall right now and tell me what you see. Because I'll tell you what you're going to see in a shopping mall. Sure, you're going to see some attractive guys with girlfriends, but I'll tell you what you're going to see far more of. Men with beer guts and baseball caps. Lanky, uncomfortable men. Short men. Bald men. Short and bald men. With wives and families who seem perfectly happy, who are not lonely and alone, who are loved. And that's the fact of the matter, is that, yes, if you have nothing going for you, you're going to have fewer options. Or you're going to have to pick from other women who have fewer things going for them as well. That is human nature. If you want to self-improve and self-develop, grow as a man, develop your sense of humor, develop your personality, work on your boundaries, work on your confidence levels, all these things are going to make you more attractive to women. And sure, the more physically attractive you are, the better that's going to be. It's just one of the axes, one of the things that make you attractive. But you don't have to be attractive to find a partner. You don't... There are a lot of really lonely men out there. And I guess I'm making this video not because I want to insult my viewers. It's because I want to be unapologetically direct and say, stop using hypergamy. Stop using your looks as an excuse for being lonely and unhappy with your life. Yes, it, life dating would be easier if you were super attractive. But if that's not a choice, move on, right? You don't have to be lonely. Work on yourself. Develop yourself as a man and there will be women in the world for you. Um, there's a loneliness epidemic going on right now and, and I get so passionate about hypergamy because hypergamy is used as an excuse to just give up, right? Men read this theory and they think, oh, that must be what science says. I'm bummed. I'm screwed. Nothing I can do. You deserve to be loved and you can go out there and be loved. There are women out there for you. I don't care if you have a medical condition. I don't care if you have a physical impairment of some kind. You know, I, I've met, I've worked, I had a client once who had no legs, who had, like, was severely disabled. He had, a like, a partial paralysis in one arm, and he got married and had an amazing partner. I, I mean, you can do it. Sure, he can't be the same player that I can, a perfectly abled guy who's decent looking. I get it. But you don't have to be lonely, so don't fall into that trap. That's it, and thank you for watching today's podcast. As a high five for taking the time to learn today, you can head over to schoolofattraction.com forward slash personality test to complete our scientifically backed attraction personality test, which will help you uncover the areas you most need to work on based on your personality assessment. Take care, and I look forward to bringing you my next podcast.